the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Soon, everybody. Uh, you know, kind of a typical Ohio October day. It's kind of cloudy. The leaves are coming down. And leaf is a four-letter word in my neighborhood, but let's start uh, by thinking positively, because it's been hard lately. <laughs> An investment in knowledge pays the best interest. Ben Franklin. I'll tell you how to become rich. Close the doors. Be fearful when others are greedy. And be greedy when others are fearful. That's Warren Buffett, by the way. Uh, You've heard that on the show (laughs) numerous times, probably. With a good perspective on history, we can have a better understanding of the past and the present. Thus, a clear vision of the future. And by the way, if that isn't charting, I don't know what what is. Okay, so there we go. Uh, Hey, look, I, I was... I've been talking to a couple people, and I think I should say this again. You know, we, we have our friend Dane Topic at Dunbar uh, and Bender. And, you know, if, you, if you've if you got a small business and you're trying to hide more money from Uncle Sam, am I allowed to say that? <laughs> I think so. Uh, you know, a, a retirement plan, uh, There's uh, these guys usually can help you, okay, put more away. Uh, it's been very few situations where they haven't. Uh, but I'm finding more and more people, you know, are, are interested in that. And you've only got a couple months left to get that done for the end of the year. So it might be something you pay pay pretty close attention to. Uh, also, uh, don't forget the wealth plan. Uh, don't forget uh, that we have our, uh, you know, uh, our health care in retirement uh, situation, our family inventory workbook. Make it easy, you know, when you pass on and. Everything's in one spot. It makes it easy for the people behind you. Uh, anyway, by the way, most of the stuff, if you, you're here on this show, uh, you know, we talk about the dividend growth portfolio, the prime income list, and all that good stuff. If you go to WHK's webpage and you go to local podcast down to the Smart Investor Show, you can go straight to my webpage. And, um, you know, I highly recommend that you look at Insight. That's a, a banner on the top uh, bar. And also our bulletin board, that's Rob Schleimer. You can get his information, his weekly, what do we call roadmap. And also you can get, uh, there's a newsletter there. But in an insight, there's some good stuff again this week uh, that wasn't there last week. All right. So that's where you should be looking, in my humble opinion. And uh, it also has, if you'd love to get any of the information, contact us, email me. If you want to sit down and have an appointment, talk about, uh, you know, your portfolio, maybe start a wealth plan. We'll go from there. You know, I was listening to Lori Calvacina this week, and uh, she's she has a unique thought process. And I, I think, uh, you know, 
She, in her chart book this week, she took a deep dive into the outlook for the U.S. equity markets, and, and she kind of looked at uh, some drivers of performance for a number of dimensions, and that's the S&P 500 versus bonds, U.S. versus non-U.S., growth versus value, and small cap. Uh, three things, big, big things to know, as far as she's concerned, are there, she's sticking with her year-end forecast for the S&P 500. Uh, she's looking for 4250 Though upside risks remain, she thinks, uh, downside risks have grown, believe it or not, uh, especially after this last week. And the outlook has become cloudier. We don't think the, the pause in the S&P 500 rally uh, that you know she kind of called in August is done yet. So see what happens. Second, we believe that large cap growth is over-owned and overvalued and in need of a tactical correction, which we're starting right now, Okay. Uh, she said this before, you know, this week, which this was on Monday, uh, and Monday it started. So third, small caps remain intriguing from a valuation and earnings perspective, but they've been dragged down by their balance sheet concerns and, and rising bond yields. And, and we have some lingering economic angst, shall we say. Uh, there's a lot of people that are, uh, you know, upset about what's going on. And this year, there's been a lot of stuff going on, so we'll see what happens. But the broader, the broader market, the growth trade and the small cap trade are unlikely to find their footing for a while, we think. Uh, so, you know, uh, she's sticking with her forecast of 4250. Uh, but, you know, as she said, it's still a spooky place out there. And, and perhaps the biggest problem that the U.S. equity market faces at the moment has been the, the surge in bond yields. And, and you know, I think, uh, look, this is the third year in a row that bonds have been down. So that's your safe money. And, you know, if you're in a mutual fund, you're feeling the pain a little bit. And, uh, you know, a lot of people I, I know have sold bonds, okay, uh, to take the tax loss for the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, that may be part of the reason the yields went up. Who knows? But I, I think it's uh, it's interesting. Uh, you, you know, S&P companies had ramped up their long-term debt and they pulled down their short-term debt during the last couple of years. So they have, and they have very little variable rate debt. Okay. Uh, and, and the weighted average maturities is like eight years. So corporate balance sheets are built to where the storm has been underway. That's what we're trying to tell you. All right. But there's still a psychological impact on stocks when bond yields move up too much, too fast. And, you know, they were 3.19, uh, the 10-year Treasury, at the end of um, uh, July. And, and we're up at, you know, we hit five uh, on the 10-year. So that's a big move. A uh, lot of money lost in bonds. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Um, the data, in you know, that we we were looking at uh, goes all the way back to 1960s. And it shows how the S&P 500 tends to post gains when surges in the 10-year yields end up being less than 275 basis points. But when the surge amounts to more than that, the S&P 500 tends to post declines. What that tells us about today, if the 10-year yield starts to approach 6%, that would be that, that uh, you know, threshold that we're talking about. So, uh, you know, I, I will say this about Lori. She she wants to be clear about her message, and her message is she's kind of in the middle of the road in the forecast, okay? So uh, I think that's important. But the, the long-term growth uh, 
afraid ha- still has some problems to work through. And she she thinks they have great long term appeal, but uh, a lot of them, you know, are over owned and get and you know they're starting to get beat up this week. I mean, uh, Google was down. You know, Microsoft was up uh, ten bucks and then went down twelve. You know, so. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of names out there that have taken it on the cuff this week. Um, but, you know, I, I think the latest week from uh, data from the CFTC on asset managing positions in the NASDAQ 100 futures has started to roll over. And, uh, ex- you know, after exceeding the high end of the range, by the way. So uh, and that that's been in place for like six to seven years. So I think you'll start to see you know, these guys are starting to say, hey, bye. All right. And with the Russell 1000 growth continues to look extremely overvalued to value. Um, and, and we've been talking about that for some time. But because of what's, you know, what went on with the pandemic, uh, it never, you know, came to fruition. So we'll see. Uh, the other thing is earnings momentum has favored growth over value, though this may be starting to change a little bit. We'll see. The second thing we see is consensus economic forecasts continue to anticipate sluggish real G- GDP growth. Uh, this usually means that growth should outperform value, but uh, we'll see. And finally, the U.S. has ended up being the more appealing geograph- uh, geographical story in 2023. Throughout much of the middle of the year, we saw resilient and improving inflows into the U.S. equity markets. Now that's, uh, but we're starting to see that weaken recently. So we'll see. And, you know, I think one of the greatest opportunities, and, and Lori does is in small caps for the longer term investors, but I, I don't know what's going to turn them. You know, you need some kind of catalyst, to, and it remains elusive out there. And I, I don't know what it's going to be other than maybe interest rates come down hard. I don't know that, um, you know, uh, but small cap relative to large cap, well, let's put it this way if you want to overweight small cap relative to large cap, you got to look at the interest rate fears and hope that they're overblown from a balance sheet perspective, all right? So small caps tend to outperform when the Fed starts cutting. A lot of people are not talking about that until, you know, mid-next year. So we'll see what happens. But the near-term uh, picture for small caps has admittedly deteriorated pretty pretty drastically. So we're starting to see uh, a lot of things going on here that are, you know, questionable. So Look, global bond yields continue to climb, right? It generally, positive data has been coming out. I mean, it was great data this week, and it challenges the view that the Fed officials will need to cut rates in their future. So we believe the Fed will keep interest rates elevated for longer in order to ensure inflation returns to the central bank's 2% um, target. And I, I have some comments about that, but I'm going to leave it alone. But Look, if you listen to Jerome Powell, he reinforced it at Jackson Hole. He said it again uh, as a result, you know, just just last month. And we see a potentially interesting opportunities in this environment. Okay, so, you know, cash substitute investments may be a suboptimal strategy at this point. But, you know, short-term treasuries, short-term CDs, pretty interesting, you know, uh, pretty interesting cash substitutes right now. Uh, However, I'm starting to see, this is Tim's personal opinion, okay? I'm starting to see my clients who are usually the guys that get out at the bottom call, okay? So I, I don't, they're they're calling regularly, all right? So, uh, and some have 
just gone. And I think that's something to think about. Keep that in the back of your head. Uh, new issue callable uh, uh, corporates and agency notes. Um, you know, investors looking to maximize cash flow by focusing on short-term interest rates may find these as all you know, kind of interesting alternatives. Okay, so uh, you know, it it a lot of people are doing it. Uh, uh, you know, some people even even looked at high coupon mortgage back securities. I, I don't, you know, I don't mess with those very often. But anyway, I also think the recent underperformance of dividend paying stocks provides some really good long term uh, opportunities. Uh, you know, dividend growth stocks have underperformed the broader market for the whole year, and that's you know when interest rates go up. They're, they have to correct in order to get their yields up, all right? Um, but we've also had a an outperformance by several high market capitalization, non-dividend paying stocks. So that's kind of interesting. So dividend growth stocks now appears pretty discounted as far as I'm concerned anyway. Uh, and historically, dividend growth stocks have done well. Over a long period of time, and uh, I'm in quite a few of them, so I, I hope I hope I'm right. <laughs> um, but you know, the economic uncertainty remains high, so stay focused on high quality business. Okay, I think that's what's important here. Uh, you know, we we have several portfolios out there that discipline high quality portfolio, and this one's you know we're we're uh, you know keeping the downside limited on these, so. You have to kind of pay attention to this one, but the dividend growth portfolios, the prime income list, you know, that's the type of thing I think, you know, they're, they're really high quality names uh, in there. And that's where I'd be, uh, I'd be looking uh, going forward. So look, choppy markets highlight the importance of a balanced investment strategy. And uh, it, part of the problem here is, is that, you know, we used to go 60, 30, 10, 30 being, uh, you know, bonds. Bonds have been a tough place to be the last couple of three years, uh, and that's why I think you're seeing. But you know, when we we saw the the interest rates break out, I think a lot of people did tax loss selling. So we'll see what happens going forward. But uh, I, I, you know, I think it's a time uh, you know to be be interested. <laughs> All right. Remember what Warren Buffett said: When other people are fearful, you should be greedy. When other people are greedy, you should be fearful. And so we're getting very close to the fearful part. So, look, uh, China is doing something that I think, you know, uh, you know, we discussed. Uh, uh, Jasmine Duan from Hong Kong actually discussed it in, in one of our portfolio advisor uh, uh, pieces. And she said, at a time of heightened ge- logic, uh, geopolitical uncertainty, China recently hosted a very high profile forum to strengthen development trade ties with its Belt and Road Initiative partners. Uh, so Beijing recently hosted the third Belt and Road Forum for international corporations. And it's the you know Silk Road Economic Belt, uh, countries, you know, Central Asia, West Asia, the Middle East, and Europe. And then there's also, you know, kind of the maritime factor, but that's the 21st century, which also fosters cooperation with Southeast Asia, Africa, Europe, and, and South America. So it had a modest beginning about 10 years ago, and it's, it's really, you know, um, it's, it's really gained some notoriety. And, uh, you know, so it, it's gone from regional to global, too. So that's another thing you have to pay pretty close attention to. 
but it, it's it's a development in a new direction. Uh, given that the BRI, which is you know the the uh, name of it or the initials, it's expanded well beyond its initial uh, objectives, and it encompasses a lot more participants and projects in different geographic uh, situations. So, and they're doing some things that you know we, we talked about, like the debt debt chat. Uh, diplomacy debunked, okay? And, uh, you know, flexibility and all sorts of stuff like that. So uh, it, it's, it's, it's interesting that they're, they're starting to do stuff like that. I think it's important that, uh, you know, you know what's going on out there in the world. And uh, so uh, that, that came from our folks in China. I think it's a great piece. If you'd like it, you know, give me a call. Um, <laughs> I do pick up the phone, folks, all the time. So. The other thing I I was looking at we we put out a piece a while back it's it was called it, and this you know you can send in for but it, we were talking about dissecting consumer fueling trends by income quartiles so what we're talking about is the effect of gasoline on consumers and you know uh, back in uh, you know early September we had some heat, seasonal highs and. Uh, in the price of gasoline, so it, it was kind of interesting. But the, the, the you know, it, it well it just goes over uh, some stuff you should probably know. Anyway, if you like that, you know where to go. In the meantime, let's take a break. This is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Three words my dad drummed into us boys all our life. The three words that define why it works. Consider it done. We talk a lot about wallacadoodle, which is making it feel like everything was fixed by magic. But that's really the icing on the cake. The cake itself is... Consider it done. Because a plumbing problem's a rather unpleasant interruption to your day. Nobody calendars in time to deal with an unexpectedly broken water heater or sewer line clog or burst pipe. So what you want, in one sense, is to have one of our straight-talking, hard-working, do-it-right plumbers fix it for you. But really, you want the whole issue taken off your plate so you can get back to your regularly scheduled life. That's what Consider It Done means. As soon as you call us, you can consider it done. Problem solved, fixed, and fixed right. So the next time a plumbing problem interrupts your day, just call us and consider it done at whyitworks.com. You listen to this radio station for truth at a time when truth is an endangered species. Now, we want to invite you to listen to our sister TV network, Salem News Channel. You'll find us in the App Store or online at SalemNewsChannel.com or on Roku or similar devices. You'll see Hugh Hewitt in the morning, followed by Mike Gallagher. You'll see Dennis Prager, followed by Sebastian Gorka. And at 5 Eastern Time, our newest star, Andrew Wilkow, with Dinesh D'Souza at 7 Eastern. Salem News Channel, the antidote to the mainstream media. At RBC Wealth Management, we are proud of our reputation for putting clients' interests first. Our steadfast commitment to helping clients achieve their financial goals includes giving back to the communities we serve. Through supporting youth education, human services, and the arts, we hope to make tomorrow better for everyone. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. 
If you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. And, uh, you know, I was looking at the markets and, you know, I look at the charts every day and uh, and then I read our research every day. And it's uh, um, last week was a tough week. You know, uh, we were down 2% going into Friday and then we gave it up another percentage point and a half. So we finished the, you know, uh, well, we haven't finished the month, but the month's, you know, down like 4% for the month. And September was no, uh, you know, bowl of cherries either. So, but, you know, there was a very narrow path, and we talked about that. And, uh, you know, the, the problem is, is that in a narrow market, everybody wants to be in those stocks, you know, the Fantastic Seven or the Magnificent Seven, whatever they call them. However, on the way down, uh, things can get kind of ugly. And since they're over, uh, it, it's, it's an overdone uh, trade for the short term. And they started to beat them up pretty bad. Um, this last month, so it's uh, it's it's going to be tough, I think, uh, going forward with those names. You know, maybe maybe it's a month, whatever, but uh, they beat them up pretty bad. All right. So, as Lori Calvacina said, you know, it probably takes a couple months for them to get beat up and then turn around and leadership again. So, the breadth beneath the surface, the spending power, and the confidence of the U.S. consumer are under pressure right now. That's my my opinion. And I think it's RBCs are printed. It's compressed by depleted savings, high and rising interest rates, and a growing unwillingness of banks to lend. You got you know rising energy costs, uh, and next year is likely to feature a more challenging landscape for both the uh, uh, for definitely for the economy. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, I, I think you know you had a rewarding ten month move, uh, you know, from September through July, and, and then all of a sudden, interest rates started going up because I think people were starting to question, you know, how much debt the U.S. Uh, had, and, you know, that may have been the reason. I think that's what we were saying anyway. Uh, and then, you know, basically, uh, that, you know, when long-term interest rates go up, uh, we're going to talk about that in the second half of the show, but uh, that's very, very, uh, it can be very, very disturbing to uh, the equity markets and the speed at which they went up. I mean, basically from July 30th to September 15th, we went up two percentage points almost, okay? One and three quarters, but I mean, one and three quarters percent from 3.2 is a huge move on a percentage basis, okay? So, um, and there are some things that we could talk about on that and we'll go, go into further detail, but I think the important part is that uh, you know we're in uh, a scenario where I mean they've, they've taken pretty much everything out and shot it, with the exception of the Magnificent Seven. So we'll see what happens there. But there's a fork in the road. Okay, uh, equity markets remain in corrective trends. The uptrend in interest rates and the dollar keep going, uh, and our base case remains unchanged. We're viewing the equity correction in the fourth quarter to be consistent with seasonal weakness. And the weekly momentum indicators uh, are suitably oversold, and we're expecting a rebound to develop in the coming weeks. I just, you know, usually there's a trigger, and I don't know what that trigger is. I can't figure it out yet. But, you know, Rob Schleimer had a good point. He said, uh, you know, the uptrend in interest rates, will need to reverse to support any kind of a meaningful low in equities. So what would get them to reverse? And I guess that's the 
trillion dollar question in this place. So with both you know the equity and the bond markets testing some key technical levels, the risk to our optimistic case is that the trend in interest rates you know continue higher with a move above 10 I mean 5% on the 10 year treasury. So if that were to occur uh you know there's well Rob did a great work on the when we get over 5% and what happens to the market we'll talk about that going forward but so our expectations for the equity market is is probably to remain volatile and then you know November 1st we have the FMLC Fed Federal Reserve meeting which should provide uh, more clarity anyway but you know, one of the things that Rob put together, uh, it's his baby, uh, and he talks about the quadrant balance uh, momentum indicator, and it's fairly oversold. I mean, it's, it's where it's bottomed numerous times. And, um, you know, we, we don't talk about the bullish percent that much anymore, but it's down below where it should be, too. So um, now the the momentum for the NASDAQ, the S&P was starting to turn up and then turn down again. So the question is, are we going to have this big withdrawal again and and then uh same way with the nasdaq composite by the way the the daily momentum just went to a little bit overbought and then came uh flying back so we'll see what happened uh now rob said something this week that i thought was kind of interesting and i i think it's very interesting uh because these are some high quality names somewhere on the you know that i'm talking about dividend growth and all that good stuff but Utilities and staples have had steep corrections, in, especially in the month of September, uh, as interest rates, you know, trended higher. They're, you know, when interest rates go up, usually utilities are kind of bond surrogates. Staples were just, you know, they just gave up. Uh, so, but the weekly momentum uh, is oversold for both sectors, and with you know the utility sectors beginning to stabilize a little bit. At a 62% retracement level, which is, you know, Fibonacci uh, stuff. And the staple sectors is bottoming near its 2022 lows. So we're not expecting these sectors to start new bull cycles. They're likely uh, just in the early stages of bottoming. Okay, so don't go out and run and buy them and and do anything crazy. That would probably be not uh, good. But, you know... Uh, I I will say this. We looked at our recession scoreboard. We talked about being calm. Now, the 10-year yield curve is in a recessionary type of scenario. Unemployment claims tend to be neutral. Unemployment rates expansionary. Uh, The conference board leading economic indicators are recessionary. And, you know, that's something you got to pay attention to because that's six months out. And free cash flow of non-financial corporate businesses is, is very positive. And if you look at the ISM manufacturing uh, new orders minus inventory, that's neutral. Fed funds rate versus nominal GDP growth is neutral. So I think it, it's a time, you know, that you have to start thinking about being, you know, kind of calm. Uh, I will take time to just uh, make a couple plugs that, uh, look, Taking Control of Healthcare in Retirement is a book that I think everyone should read. I, I printed it. I read it myself. I uh, gave it to my wife. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, and they, they talk about wealth insights in retirement, you know, health and wealth are important, life planning, uh, you know, projecting the real cost of care, uh, you know, so it, it, it goes into, you know, great detail on, on a few subjects. And I highly recommend that the other thing I'm going to mention again 
is the family inventory workbook. Uh, I told you last last year that I had a guy who'd been in the armed services and done his duty. God, God bless him. Uh, and uh, he, he had counts everywhere. And he put them all together, and then he died. And I haven't. I, I talked to his wife several times. Very nice lady. Uh, we have not been able to set up a meeting because uh, she's been trying to get things organized. But uh, he he got it. He got them organized for. Her. He put everything into the family inventory work with. He had six different life insurance, you know, pieces. Imagine if she would have had to go looking for that stuff. Uh, it would have been. Uh, it would have been crazy. And then finally. The wealth plan. You know, these are the times when you need a wealth plan. You need, and especially, look, you can get this without opening an account with us, okay? However, when you do open an account, we can do what ifs. We go, we go into what is known as playground. And without making any changes to the thing, we can see what happens if we make the change, okay? And that's what's important, I think. You know, you, you have the ability to... Uh, question <laughs> am i on the right path okay and th- that's something that uh i think is uh, very good so three three things are available to you uh you know the taking control of healthcare and in, in retirement the family inventory workbook and the wealth plan i ha- highly highly recommend it you know i was um listening to uh lori uh, well our strategy team and i thought it was interesting uh, we looked at healthcare because healthcare is getting beat up I mean, really, really beat up, and uh, to the point where I mean, it's, it's, I, I, I've never seen it like this, even during Hillary Care uh, scenario. So, uh, I thought it was interesting what Lori said, and she said, from a strategy perspective, we like the sectors attractive valuations, which look more compelling on our work than utilities. And utilities, you know, we're down nine, ten percent in the month of September. So that's that's an interesting. We also see fewer fundamental headwinds uh, for the sector than the consumer staples, uh, where their pricing and and consumer concerns make the sector slightly more uh, appealing valuation profile, less interesting to at least uh, us right at the moment. And then it's worth noting that the sector is a counter-cyclical, tending to outperform when the IS manufacturing index is, is falling and underperform when it's rising, all right? So we'll see. But, you know, flows have been negative in recent months. Actually, they've been negative for about, you know, we've only had one blurb, uh, and that was back in 2019 in the in the whole group, you know, uh, with the exception of like three or four stocks. So, yeah, maybe five or six. Anyway, let's take a break. This is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Stay tuned. <music> Three words my dad drummed into us boys all our life. The three words that define why it works. Consider it done. We talk a lot about wallackadoodle, which is making it feel like everything was fixed by magic. But that's really the icing on the cake. The cake itself is... Consider it done. Because a plumbing problem's a rather unpleasant interruption to your day. Nobody calendars in time to deal with an unexpectedly broken water heater or sewer line clog or burst pipe. So what you want, in one sense, 
is to have one of our straight-talking, hard-working, do-it-right plumbers fix it for you. But really, you want the whole issue taken off your plate so you can get back to your regularly scheduled life. That's what Consider It Done means. As soon as you call us, you can consider it done, problem solved, fixed, and fixed right. So the next time a plumbing problem interrupts your day, just call us and consider it done at whyitworks.com. Hey, it's Bob France, and if you're in the market for new flooring or floor covering, then I've got two words for you. Floor King. I've been a dedicated Floor King customer for over 16 years, and when you hear this, I think you will be too. The Floor King now offering 24 months of 0% interest financing and 10% off your total purchase price. The sale ends October 30th, so call now, and you can have your floors done by the holidays. Call now, 216-640-5000. Set up a free in-home estimate. When you think flooring, think Floor King. When it comes to managing your retirement, it's easy to get lost. Look to RBC Wealth Management to guide you. Our experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors will build your investment strategy by designing a plan that's tailored to your unique financial needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Visit rbcwealthmanagement.com. If you know who did this song, you're you're uh, you're getting old. <laughs> anyway, uh, I will tell you how to become rich. Close the doors. Be fearful when others are greedy, and be greedy when others are fearful. You know, back in 2021. I kept saying the, the bullish percent was at 80, going to 60, then 77, 78 to 60, and back and forth and back and forth. And I don't think enough people listened to me. I, you know, we had cash, but we obviously needed more. Wasn't expecting this, by the way, but uh, it seems to me, right at the moment, the way people are buying CDs, they're fearful. Okay? So... The long-term secular trend for U.S. equity markets, we think, remains positive. Now, it's difficult to see that. You have an underlying 16- to 18-year cycle, and we view this, you know, and this is Rob Schleimer, one of the best technicians on the planet. We viewed it's supportive of further upside into the mid-2030s. And, you know, I mean, if we we do what we've done in the past bull market cycles, we could get to 14,000 on the S&P. That's three times from here, folks. So, look, we we view the low in the fourth quarter of 2022 to have made another four-year cycle low. And, uh, you know, you have these four-year cycles within the structural bull markets, and and it's usually at the 200-week at the moving average, which is where we are right now. So the monthly momentum indicators tracking two- to four-year moves continue to build to the upside, suggesting that there could be further strength into 2024. So after a strong, you know, uh, first half, a tactical pullback would probably be, you know, everybody's sure of. Okay, that's the way it is. Uh, you know, we 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 looked at the equity markets internationally, and you know, Rob is uh, is very good at, at looking at relative strength, and the longer term price profiles for international markets have improved following cyclical lows, but. Uh, and it's kind of consistent what's happened with the U.S. market, but 
you know, we we have yet to see any meaningful evidence of a long-term positive relative performance trend. So that's that's where we're getting at, uh, you know, kind of a problem. So, but you know, look, equity leadership was very it was strong with with several stocks outperforming, but the average stock on the on the S and P five hundred is down two percent. So almost one hundred and eighty percent of the gain have been like twenty stocks. So, uh, and by the way, they're giving it up right now. So uh, take it from there. But look, long term, I think you got to understand we have these generational cycles. Uh, we've had four of them, and they've they you know we we in the in the thirties and the forties we had deflation you know after the crash, then we had reflation in the fifties uh, right after the war, then we had inflation in the sixties. That's when Arthur Burns turned on the tap and didn't turn it off, and then we have disinflation. Up until 2000, then we had deflation again, and and now I think we're reflating. All right. By the way, you know bond yields, the long term ten year Treasury has averaged a 3.56 percent return over the entire time it's been in existence. So we're at the upper end of the scale, and we'll see what happens going forward. But you know, look, uh, if we just base it on what's happened in the last three bull cycles okay and i'm I'm starting from the bottom now okay i'm starting from the bottom in 29 to the top in 70 and they had 2300 percent. the bottom in 75 to the top in 2000 was 2300 percent. so if we just go up to 2000 we'd be looking at 14,000, and you know we're a ways away from there right now so uh that would be very po- positive but we do have to worry about these repetitive four-year cycles there's always a, a sell-off, you know, never never fails. And look, one technical tool to track the trend of the equity market is to compare its shorter-term trend measured by, you know, our the four-month moving average to its longer-term trend over the 13-month moving average. And and, and since the uh, the fourth quarter of 2022, the faster morning, uh, faster moving, I'm sorry, four-month has been turning up. And as the end of March uh, 2023, it crossed above the 13, uh, which is usually a bull market, by the way. Uh, another way to track it is the relationship between the vertical differences between two moving averages. And the plot, you know, uh, was very, very overbought back uh, in 2021. It got very, very oversold. Uh, September was the bottom. And now we're back to being a little bit overbought. So we'll see what happens there. But just remember, October is usually a bottoming month. I know it doesn't seem that way right now, <laughs> for sure. I mean, it's been a tough month, all right? And September wasn't so great either. Uh, but we, we had a, a move in interest rates that we haven't seen in a long time, especially long-term interest rates. I think it was some tax loss selling. I think a lot of people were short. We'll see if that continues. Uh, but And the other thing is, we, we you know, we have 33% bulls. And thirty-four and a half percent bears. We need more bears. Okay, uh, might have occurred on Friday. You know, this this information came out a week ago. So we'll see what happens from here. But you know, it's good to look at the long term and and just remember, you know, it, it, the long term is what we're looking for. Okay, so uh, we'll just leave it at that. All right. Uh, in the meantime. <laughs> Uh, some people have asked me, look, interest rates are the problem, okay? And 
one of the things that we look at, and I, I think this is important, if you look at uh, the interest rates uh, at, when they get over 5%, okay, you usually have uh, a problem in the equity markets. And we're not there yet. We we touched there. And uh, I'm not going to make a call on interest rates. That's fairly... <laughs> And so, I mean, there's an old joke about Alan Greenspan going to heaven and, uh, you know, somebody said something about interest rates. And uh, anyway, anyway, it's a long joke. But the point is, is that we don't know, um, you know, where we're going. And I think the, the key areas uh, is, you know, somewhere around the 3,800 area, the 3,700. We Holding there would be pretty important. Uh, and we'll leave it at that. Now, Look, uh, a divergent continues to develop between large and mid-cap growth versus relative to small-cap growth versus value. And large-cap were leading to the upside till this week, and then they gave it up a little bit. Larger-cap growth stocks are showing signs of establishing seasonal lows following their third-quarter pullback. So the small-caps have yes, I mean, that's, that's a tough group because there's yes to establish any kind of meaningful bottom. All right? So... They're the most attractive when it comes to valuations, but you know you'd like to see the whites of their eyes, right? So we'll just keep that in the back of our head. The intermediate term pullback by the high beta versus low volatility. High beta is usually your industrial stocks, you know, those type of thing. Semiconductors uh, continues, but there is some early, you know, signs of bottoming between the 50 and 62 percent retracement levels, which are Fibonacci. Okay. Semiconductors, I think, remain a key driver in this relationship, um, with a growing list of semis becoming oversold, uh, intermediate term anyway, and showing signs of starting to put a bottom in. I mean, there's two or three that I really like. Um, we'll, we'll just leave it at that, okay, because it, it's tough, uh, you know, because the breadth participation has remained weak, and I, I haven't seen the advanced decline line like this. I mean, the advanced decline line hit a new low this week, uh, and that's the number of advancers versus decliners on a, on a ratio basis. So the positive side is inter, intermediate term and weekly indicators for equities remain in deep oversold areas, okay? So uh, this is seasonal weakness for the time being. It continues. Then we'll make, you know, we'll, we'll call it as it is. Uh, and I, I just think, you know, the, the monthly, the uptrend remains intact. Uh, key levels we are watching, like I said, next supports 3,500. Um, you know, and I, I think it's, you know, it, it, it's, <laughs> uh, we're, we're in a tough, tough period of time. So it's one of those things where, uh, I, I think we're going to be seeing, um, <laughs> there's a rally out there. I just don't want know when it starts. Okay. And I don't know what starts it. And, I just, like I said, you know, Warren Buffett said it, lock yourself in a room. You know, I, I have people calling me and saying, you know, it's the end of the world. That's usually when it's the best time to buy. Okay. So uh, all the indicators I look at, the b- bullish percent, quadrant balance indicator, the four month over the th- 13 month, and all this, the momentum indicators on a short term basis all look pretty good, you know, uh, on as an oversold. On basis. So uh, I think, you know, uh, Rob Schleimer, who, you know, I, I base a lot of my technical work with, his quadrant balance momentum oscillator is is 
you know, an area where it's bottomed one, two, three, four, five times in the last uh, six, seven years. So, you know, uh, you you just look at that and say, hmm. Now, if I look at the, this is important because there's, if you look at the relative strength or the, well, let's let's go back. If we look at the equal weight S&P 500, uh, the ETF, it remains weak. It's challenging. It's March lows. And it's notably diverging from the S&P 500 AD line, which has been declining after making new highs in late July, okay? The, the one thing I thought was interesting is the New York stock only AD line is right at where it's got to hold. Now, sometimes you get what is known as an undercut and then a rally. So, uh, you know, the New York Stock Exchange, all that includes bond funds and all that, uh, has a similar corrective trend, and it challenges the the March 2023 lows. So, remember, in March, we were talking about this, too, how the put-to-call ratio was so high. We're in that situation again. All right. Uh, And, you know, Everybody said, oh, there'll be no rally. And then a rally just materialized. Okay. And it was after the bank crisis. So what I'm suggesting is, you know, it's not time to get overly bearish. Okay. So uh, uh, that should have been back in July. And but by the way, I didn't call it either. I, I was not expecting the uh, the yields to go up as fast as they are. And, and I think some of it has been, uh, you know, based on tax loss selling. So, I mean, if you look at the, the TLT, huge volume day the other day. So we'll see what happens. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. This is the Smart Investor Show. Stay tuned. Decisions limit future options. Make bad enough decisions and you'll destroy your life. Listen to The Flatline with your host Rick Hughes every Sunday morning at 630 here on AM 1420 The Answer. The Flatline describes a mainline resistance in your soul to build on God's Word. Join us every Sunday for 30 minutes of inspiration, motivation, education, all without manipulation. That's The Flatline with Rick Hughes heard every Sunday at 630 a.m. on AM 1420 The Answer. This radio station exists to fulfill your insatiable appetite for news and information. If it happens here or around the world and it matters to you, we'll be the first to tell you about it and what it means. But that's not all. Our sister station exists to give your life meaning and purpose through the teaching of the Holy Bible. AM 1420, The Answer, exists to tell you about the world. AM 1220, The Word, exists to change the world. Together, we can do it. Wouldn't it be nice to keep income rolling in even long after you retire? At RBC Wealth Management, we can help you invest for the future that you want and create a personalized plan to help you create the steadfast flow of income you'll need throughout your retirement. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. If the market doesn't scare you, this will. <laughs> anyway, so I'm going to repeat Warren Buffett again, okay? 
the best thing you can do to get rich is to lock yourself in a closet and be fearful when others are greedy. Be greedy when others are fearful. We're getting to that point, folks. All right, That's what the bullish percent's all about. That's what the quadrant balance indicators are all about. So, hey, look, I'm going to mention this again. Uh, a couple, uh, couple things is that if you if you're in a small business or you got you run your business and you want to put away more money uh, into your 401k or your retirement plan, you know we've got some people that can help you with that, uh, and they'll look it over and they'll say yes or no and and, and take it from there. But they have helped quite a few people. Uh, you know, my buddy Dane Toppage, he's been on the show a couple times. Great guy. Uh, but it's coming to that time where you got to kind of rush to do it. All right. Cause it's the end of, we're getting near the end of the year. So just uh, remember that, um, you know, people have uh, asked me a lot of questions about, you know, uh, you know, what do you do in periods like this? Well, I talk to as many clients as I can. Unfortunately, I get a lot of incoming calls, but, um, most clients panic at this point. And that's not, you know, you don't want to panic now. Okay. Uh, the time to have panicked was back in 2021 when we were talking about how overbought the market was. And, and you know, we were talking about the, the four week over the 13 week, uh, you know, the 13 week, was so, the, four, the four week was so far above, you know, statistically, you know, when you get to the six standard deviation, you go to the first. And we talked about that then. And and then back in uh, September of last year, at the end of September and the early October, we talked about a bottom and it happened. And then, you know, we talked about people getting bearish again in March because of the banking thing and a, and a, and a rally just came out of nowhere. All right. Uh, I don't know exactly what started it, but it just came out of nowhere. And we're at a place like that again, I think. Okay. Uh, I've been looking at what Rob Schleimer's talking about. And Lori Calvestina, uh, you know, she she thinks there's, you know, she's really wishy-washy about her 4,250 market area. She's talking about the possibility of, you know, we, we could see a higher close than that, and we could see a lower close than that. So it's a very difficult uh, period of time. And remember, what Lori said was she had three big, three big things to know. And first, we we're sticking with our uh, S&P 500 target of 4,250. Upside risk remains, downside risks have grown. Okay, so the outlook has become cloudier, and we don't think the, the pause in the S&P 500 rally uh, that we called for in August is done yet. So second, we continue to believe large cap growth is overowned. That's probably true. And then third, small caps remain intriguing from a valuation uh, point and, and earnings perspective. Unfortunately, we can't see the whites of their eyes. We see no low coming in there yet. So that's that's important. and and. Uh, if you looked at the, the actual treasury bond chart <laughs> about the, the actual bond, you know, and uh, it's they, we're talking about the 20 year treasury bond. I mean, it's ugly. All right. Uh, it's almost parabolic on the way down. So we'll see uh, if that gives us any relief, you know, uh, but it, 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 if you look. And, and this is what's interesting. Uh, there's a couple things, you know, if you look at high beta. Versus low volatility, uh, we're we're getting right to the uptrend line, you know, because the industrials had led the way. They got a little bit overvalued, then they got beat up, then they got overvalued again. By the way, they they were up in 2022. Okay, so there, there's uh, some interesting stuff going on there. But I think you know if 
if we go over 5% on the 10-year yield, uh, that'll be a problem. I mean, that'll be a problem going forward. So uh, that's something to think about. And, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I'm not sure it's going to happen because I, I, you know, I, I'm not going to try to predict interest rates. That's crazy. But I do think, you know, long view, you know, if we, we look at the long view, okay, uh, you know, it, it seems to me that we should be looking, I think, going forward, the 17-year cycle. It just started in 20, well, at least, uh, you know, if Rob's right, and it usually is, it started in 2016. So we've got, you know, probably 10, eight, nine, 10 more years left of it, and uh, we'll see what happens. And I think that's what you got to focus on because, with, you know, retirement is not a thing that goes away. Okay. It, you know, people are retiring. And sometimes, in some people's cases, the retirement period is as long as when they worked. So you really have to be smart about your, your assets and, uh, sure, they're down right now. Uh, you know, uh, that's that's a given. But where are they from four years ago or five years ago? Okay, so there's there's a long term uh, positives for the market going forward. Uh, look, in in the 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 bull market from 1975 to 2000, we had 1987. We had the Saddam Hussein, you know, r- rolling into town to Kuwait in 2000. We had the Russian ruble crisis, you know, so there are bear markets. Now, they were quicker. This is this is one of the longest bear markets uh, within a bull structure that I've seen. And, it, you know, we uh, the Fed was a little late on the trigger. Uh, I, I think, you know, this is a time when the government should be putting money away and, and said we're spending it. So uh, there's numerous causes for inflation. Uh, but the point is, is. I don't think we're going to have a recession if if we continue on this path because government spending is going to pick up the tab. All right. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but it, it's, it should be interesting going forward. Um, so the long view is what I think we have to concentrate on. And uh, enough people are bearish right now. And when you should be starting to think about being greedy. OK, so if you'd like to be greedy, what I suggest is you go to WHK1420, go to local podcast down to the Smart Investor Show. I think there's some interesting stuff to look at right now. You know, I talked about uh, our high quality disciplined approach, our dividend growth portfolio, our prime income list. You can get all those. I think that's a really good idea right now. The other thing is uh, look, if you don't have a plan, you got a problem on your hands. Okay. So, Let's develop a wealth plan together. Good idea, right? If you'd like to see do what if, then you're going to have to become a client, and and then uh, get organized with a family inventory uh, book and uh, workbook. I'm sorry, and then believe me, this is a real good piece: taking control of healthcare in retirement. Uh, I can't tell you. I, I had a whole bunch of people look at it a couple of weeks ago. I sent it out to them, and they thanked me and thanked me twice. Okay, because it's a really good piece. It's uh, it's stuff you may not know, stuff you may know, but at least it gets you, you know, focusing on the right things. And I highly recommend it. In the meantime, have a great weekend. Uh, a lot of people uh, celebrating Halloween, so be careful out there. Drive safely. Uh, in the meantime, this is Tim Hayes and the Smart Investor Show. Remember to buy low, sell high. 
Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.